standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here and welcome to this week's Sunday Chops, or I should say one of this week's Sunday Chops, because we're spoiling you yet again. In the other episode, which you should listen to after this, our Jen goes to talk to the legend of young adult fiction, Mallory Blackman. And that is really interesting. So, like I say, when you finish listening to this... Oh, sorry, that's actually my phone going. That's actually Jen responding to a photograph I just sent her of how horrifying amount of cat hair is attached to this microphone. So, apologies for the interruption. In this episode of Chops, I talk to the brilliant actress and playwright Helen Monks. You may recognise her from Raised by Wolves, from Upstart Crow, which we do talk about in this She's great, and she managed to grab 20 minutes to talk to us. She's a really busy woman. She's currently filming something, and she's doing the last preparations for a tour of her play, Trojan Horse. It's about the Trojan Horse scandal that happened in Birmingham. You may be familiar with it. You may not. It doesn't matter, because Helen's about to explain it here. So enjoy that. And one last thing, Mick will interrupt at some point to tell you about our next show, which is the show we have for International Men's Day. So, enjoy that. I'm off to clean this microphone. Hi, Hannah here. I'm joined on the phone by the excellent actress and playwright, Helen Monks. How are you, Helen? Hi, I'm great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. I know that you are super busy, so you're also having your lunch break. So, feel free to eat a sandwich while you are doing this. (laughs) That's so kind. Thank you. I'll try not to with my mouth full. <laughs> so we're here to talk about, it's exciting, you've got some exciting news, your play Trojan Horse, which went up to the Edinburgh Fringe last year, won lots of awards, is now going on a nationwide tour. I was going to just explain what to- Trojan Horse was, but it would be better if it came from you, the woman who wrote it. <laughs> oh, that's a difficult question. Come see the play. <laughs> and um, and we're trying to explain it now in 15. It's, it was a government investigation that happened in Birmingham in 2014 into Birmingham schools. Some teachers and governors in Birmingham were accused of radicalisation within the schools and over-Islamic influence. So me and Matt, my co-writer, went to Birmingham about three years ago now. We first met the teachers and governors who were accused and we're sort of trying to tell the story from their own voices and their side of the story. So... The play is all verbatim. It's been written out of about 200 hours worth of interviews that we've done with them and with students and other people who were involved at the time, people in the local council, to try and sort of understand what actually happened in Birmingham. And it's scandalous, really, the kind of level of government heavy-handedness and the amount of Islamophobia and the fact that now prevent and British values are compulsory in school is all based on the fact that Trojan horses is like believed truth but when you actually try and work out what they're accused of there's very very little evidence to kind of substantiate the fact they all had lifetime bans from teaching have all been kind of branded as radicals in national newspapers and as soon as you start kind of scratching at the evidence of of why they're accused of those things it's not really there that's kind of it in a nutshell but the play tries to use a sort of prism effect of telling lots of different voices and lots of different um, there's not really sides because it, it was really interesting. As soon as we started speaking to people, we realised that there wasn't one, ever one perspective of what happened. And to me, that's the kind of biggest proof that there wasn't there wasn't really anything there because everybody would have a really, really different kind of set of events and viewpoint of how it happened. So we try and 
throughout the play shift the perspectives throughout from different characters' voices to hear their different perspectives on what happened in Birmingham. But that's really interesting because at the moment we find ourselves in a situation generally where everything is presented as, as black and white. You either support Brexit or you don't. You either pro-Trump or you're not. And there are obviously, yeah. especially with Brexit, not so much for Trump, shades of grey in there and they're often yeah. not explored, are they, at all? I think that's it. I think that everything's so bite-sized now and that's really great because it means we can consume a lot more information but it also does mean that, yeah, you often will tr- you try and form narratives. It's human nature to try and form stories all the time and that's what I, I find the most interesting about Trojan Horse just by giving it a name. So by calling it tr- the Trojan Horse, it implied that there was a narrative to it yeah. and that's why it took so long to write the play. It took three years because we were constantly trying to find what the actual story was and actually it was constructed by people. So yeah, like you say, there's nuance within it. There were definitely schools in Birmingham where head teachers felt kind of pushed out by governors and then what human beings had done confirmation bias as they'd read in a paper that there was this huge plot in Birmingham to kind of take over schools and they'd linked one head teacher in Birmingham being pushed out over there to a governor that was on their governing body who had you know had quite strong opinions and they'd link those two people together because they happened to both be Muslim and I think it's really really interesting how I can so you know and this is what the play also tries to do is not anybody in Birmingham necessarily it's, it's the government having kind of come in from the outside in really heavy-handedly formed this kind of narrative and then if you're in a school where you're feeling like there is a lot of change happening of course you're gonna go oh my god the thing I'm reading in the paper is exactly what's happening in my school and it kind of perpetuates those things that are in your head and like you say we're seeing that all the time we're all completely culpable of it and I always have to catch myself not being a lefty loon yeah. about stuff where confirmation bias is so just natural to us as humans and sometimes that's amazing because it means we're always forming links and forming stories that, that fit the way that we see the world but also it can be really dangerous because it can mean that you don't kind of open up your mind to seeing things a different way hopefully with the play that's what we're kind of trying to do yeah definitely I mean just on, on a small scale um when um after Brexit when everyone said oh you shouldn't be in your own social media bubble I made the choice to actively follow lots of people that I didn't agree with and yeah it's hard though isn't it yeah because sometimes it's just really depressing and I just think I don't yeah. know why I'm I'm reading this or listening to this <laughs> this is horrible yeah it is important it is important but then also it is there's a fine line because I was googling Katie Hopkins today and I just had to go actually I do need to have my eyes open, but not that wide. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you say part of your plan was to start a conversation. Obviously, you've taken us on tour now, but you have, you have, did do it up in Edinburgh. What sort of feedback were you getting from audiences? That's really interesting. So in Edinburgh, the reason we originally took it to Edinburgh was we struggled to kind of get the play programmed. We were really, really supported by Leeds Playhouse, who the play is made in association with, and that's where it's opening um, on Thursday but we we struggled to kind of program a national tour in the way that we normally would I think because of the subject matter and people not being quite sure about it so we took it to Edinburgh as a way of kind of platforming it to programmers basically in order to take it more nationally but it meant that the Edinburgh audience were incredibly white middle class yeah. liberal and it was really fascinating kind of seeing their responses because actually it's a play about how white people are really, really accountable. You can't just say you're not a racist. I think you have to be kind of active 
in your anti-racism. And I think that it was really, really challenging liberal values of kind of how far your liberalism actually goes. It definitely challenged mine and still does. You know, you still have to constantly be working out where you as a liberal person are kind of drawing the line of what you tolerate. And um, it was re- it was just really, really interesting. Even people I knew from Birmingham who'd worked in some of the schools came and saw it and suddenly had their kind of perspective shifted um, to understanding different viewpoints. And what the most amazing thing was, was the teachers and governors who, so the play is all, yeah, formed out of the words that they've said. They came to see the show. And they sat on the front row, um, and it was 150 seaters. It was completely full. And they got this huge standing ovation at the end of all these people who'd, like, heard their story and listened to them and believed them. And all the teachers and governors sort of stood up and got on the stage and turned around and took their bow and took their standing ovation. And for me, that was just the best kind of reaction and feedback that we that we could have got from the show. It was um, It was really incredible. So I'm really, really excited to now take it nationally to lots of different places with really different audiences because I think the response will be different people came and saw it and sort of saw themselves in it and I think it can be quite triggering for those people and then some people came and saw a completely fresh perspective and and a way of seeing the world that they'd not necessarily thought about and that in itself was also really interesting so yeah it's sort of it, it varies and I'm sure also there will be people who will come and see it and really disagree with it and think that's not what I recognise. But I think, you know, even those people, I think it, it's a really, like we say, it's about opening up a conversation. We're not trying to present as though we know all of the answers. We're just trying to present truthfully the voices of how they saw things as they happened as a sort of provocation. Well, that's where verbatim theatre really comes into its own. Um, this year up at Edinburgh, we saw America is Hard to See, which is about a community of sex offenders. And it, yeah. it enabled them to present, A, what the, the, what the sex offenders wanted them to present, but also the story behind it, you know, the story of their victims and the story of their families. And it was crazy interesting, but it looks like a lot more hard work than just sitting down and writing a story. A- am I right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. It kind of isn't, isn't. It's a, it's a bit cheating, really, because other people are saying the words for you and... God, like human beings say the most amazing stuff that you write. Um, and it means that you, you know, there's there's people's voices in there that I would never be able to write. You know, it's a different culture and um, it's completely different perspective. And it's, it's amazing to sort of be able to work with people really collaboratively on how they would like to be portrayed in a piece of theatre. Like, to me, that's the most amazing thing. But definitely... You can't. You, I mean, you could never just sit down in a room by yourself and sit and write the play. That's why it's taken me a mass a two-year writing process where we fed drafts of the script back to the teachers. You know, they fed back to us. We took actors to um, Alan Rock in Birmingham to do a reading of one of the drafts of the play, and then they fed back into that. So on the tour, the play's been translated into Urdu, and every oh, wow. performance there's there's going to be headsets for Urdu-speaking audiences to be able to. Um, listen and there'll be the published playtext in Urdu as well and then we've also kit offers for schools and free school workshops that our amazing engagement manager called Madiha is going into schools and delivering these workshops and then she's also delivering workshops to the Urdu speaking audiences um, kind of community groups and stuff and then after every single performance we're doing a post-show Q&A which has been like so like you said just a matter of sitting and writing the play like the, all the organizing of that in itself kind of they come hand in hand really you can't 
kind of have one without the other. And we've got, we're really lucky. We've got this, um, I'm my professor. We've got this guy, John Homewood, who's a professor at Nottingham Uni, who was an expert witness for the defence of the teachers at their employment tribunals. And he's, he's taking sabbatical to tour with the show so that he can be on every post-show panel. Oh, wow. He's sort of... Um, he was our academic advisor on the script and he is just like, he just knows everything that there is to know about education policy, Trojan Horse, the city of Birmingham. Like he's just, he's amazing. So he, yeah, so he's going to be really involved um, and obviously really helped to shape the script as well. So it's, yeah, it's definitely a lot more holistic than sitting in the bedroom and writing something. But also it's great. It means that the project becomes so much bigger than you and, and collaboration is always just the best way of making anything really good so it's meant that there's been so many different people who fed into this to make it feel really robust um but also to make sure that we're not just leaving audiences they leave the theater and that's it we want the kind of play to be a springboard for actual social change and for talking about for talking about trojan horse and how trojan horse is just you know it wasn't it's not a standalone story it's a sort of symptom of of how quickly and easily uh, ingrained Islamophobia can mean that a story like this just blows out of proportion and all these terms become really expected. You know, you see a face of a Muslim man with a beard and you see the word radical and you don't question it for a second. And we, you know, there's not a definition of Islamophobia in the Tory party. There's currently a huge review into Prevent, which is which is compulsory in schools, like I said, because of Trojan Horse, which is um, sort of anti radicalization training that teachers have to get and that students have to be part of and um, there's a two-year government review happening into that so we're hoping to throughout the Trojan Horse tour be gathering evidence to take to that review to present at the review from audiences themselves and from Muslim pupils, Muslim teachers to say look this is kind of the impact that this is having on us and how it's just perpetuating this kind of rise in Islamophobia that's happening at the moment which is well, it's so scary to think when we started writing this play, we we thought that 2014 and Trojan Horse was kind of the peak of this yeah. um, racism, and actually, it's just it's becoming more and more ingrained the and getting worse. It's really, yeah, it's really scary. What are you doing on November the 18th? I'm thinking of, and I want you to brace yourself for this, Hannah. But I am thinking. Of talking to some men. Ah, wow. Any yeah. men in particular? Handpicked three. Craig Parkinson, that's right. He of unbuttoning and buttoning his jacket on Line of Duty and also the amazing Two Shot podcast. Nish Kumar, he of the Mash Report and General Funniness. And Mr. Joe Lysett, he of hilarity on Sue's whenever he is in a room. And fantastic. What I can only describe as blouses. He does have incredible blouses. What do you think the chances of getting all those people in the same room at the same time are, Mickey? I'm glad you've asked, Jen, because I've been working very hard to make this happen <laughs> alongside my lovely colleagues, Jen and Hannah, who you may know well. And uh, it is going to happen at King's Place on November the 18th, which is International Men's Day Eve. It's going to be mint. Get your ticket. Yeah, if you want to get to www.standardissuepodcast.com, you will find details of that and our many other live shows. I love that you always say the www. I know. I, I interviewed Sam Avery, another man, once, and he said it, We're and everywhere. it just made me laugh. So I like to put it in. Places outside of London 
cities outside of London and communities. The only time that yeah. the national media is really that interested in them is when they are using them to tell what a negative story. And, yeah. you know, that's that's not great for Birmingham because um, you're very passionate about being from that part of the world. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And you're so right. It's the only time that Birmingham is ever, ever in the papers is is negative, is, you know, how evidence that multiculturalism has failed. Yeah. There's, there's a huge kind of tension between Birmingham City Council and, and government because Birmingham City Council is a Labour council and they've had huge amounts of funding cuts. It, yeah, the, the kind of the perception of it as an area. But it's really interesting how that then becomes internalised. And I find it so deeply depressing that my experience of growing up in Birmingham was that it was incredibly positive and um, integrated and multiculturalism was a brilliant thing and religions were really celebrated. So now I feel like Trojan Horse is this turning point where we had to crack down on the difference between who you are at home and who you are at school. And segregation is a positive thing because it means, you know, that, that religion is something that's private. You know, there's all of these kind of niggling things which I feel have been just like, that have come from the outside in into Birmingham. Um, and Trojan Horse was definitely the, the, the start of that, I think. Um, and the way that it was handled was the start of that in that the voices of the people that were accused of all these things were never heard. Their, their trials all collapsed, so they never got a verdict of guilty or not guilty. Yeah. Um, so for all the people who believed that they were doing naughty things in these schools all still believe it, and all the people who know that this was a complete miscarriage of justice will always, you know, will believe that. And there's no kind of, like you say, room for nuance or understanding of what actually happened because the trials were thrown out, but also the transcripts of the trial, which in theory should be public documents, have never been released, which again is part of what we're trying to do with the play. We've managed to get hold of the trial transcripts and we put some of the dramatised trial scenes on stage um, to kind of show the actual evidence that was presented and how it was pretty much non-existent um, as a way of sort of trying to is used constantly as this validation, particularly in Birmingham, if we can't let that happen again. And if you look at what actually happened, it wasn't that bad. It was just there was tension between governors and teachers in certain schools in Birmingham. That's true. And there was this one school in Allenbrook that seems to have been accused of most of the things. And actually what they were doing was just celebrating the children's religion. But there's this conflation between religion and extremism yeah which is really dangerous and we kind of need to find a way of understanding those two things aren't aren't linked yeah and then it just becomes um, a witch hunt doesn't it good old-fashioned yeah, public sure. panic <laughs> yeah for sure but you're definitely right about the kind of the regional thing and I think that's why we were really keen as well to take it to lots of different places and um for it not just to be this terrible thing that's happened but to also be a celebration and in each area we're getting local people to come and be on the post show panels like I say using it as a springboard to talk about other stuff as well as this one thing and, and use it as a way of kind of galvanizing people and the reason I love theatre is it is a it's a form of activism because you suddenly get lots of people who all agree with each other all in the same space or yeah. sometimes people who don't agree with each other in the same space and that's really important too and you know public spaces are being constantly lost and like you say online stuff kind of prevails and that's the when arguments are harder to have whereas I just I love groups of people all physically being in one space and that always needs to be a local thing I think yeah um 
Yes. Well, you are travelling all over the north, aren't you? Um, Hull, yes. Doncaster, Huddersfield, Liverpool. Um, and this, this tour goes on. This is actually, when, when you said Thursday, this will be last Thursday as it is in our podcast. But this goes on right until November. Yes. You're going to be exhausted. We... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be quite something. And we're, there's some nights we're just popping up for one night. And then when we come to London, we're here for two weeks um, at Battersea Arts Centre. And then at, um, we finished the tour, I think, yeah, the 30th of November with a um, special performance in Alan Rock itself, which I'm so excited for. And then we have a gap. And then um, on the 7th of January next year, 2020, we're taking the show to Parliament and performing it at the Houses of Parliament. Oh, wow. Which, um, yeah. So the kind of with the tour, we're going to be inviting audience members to, in each of those um, cities that you listed, we're going to be inviting audience members to write to their local MP to invite them to that parliament event I mean who knows what will be happening in parliament at well, the time yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to get anything talked about but fingers crossed yeah um can I ask you while while we're talking about being on the stage in London I have I probably shouldn't say this because he doesn't know this yet but I have bought my tickets for Upstart Crow I'm taking my nephew for his um oh. for, his, for his Christmas present are you, are you going to be in it I couldn't possibly comment, I don't think I can say. Who who knows? You'll have to wait and see. Okay, well, that will be a pleasant surprise then if you happen to be there, Helen. If um, I do or I don't, yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's going to be really, really good and there are some fantastic actresses in it. <laughs> that's what I've heard on the grapevine. We absolutely oh, love so Upstart Crow. I don't think it gets enough love. It's really interesting because the people who... Love it, love it. It's so you can tell if someone is going to come up to you and say that they love Upstart Pro. I immediately see the look in their eyes. Yeah, it's 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 so clever. I think particularly the third series is just so Shakespearean. It's re- it's really properly funny, and I'm completely in awe all the time. All of the cast that I'm surrounded by, they're just oh my gosh, everybody's so amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I'm a super fan. <laughs> and it was proper, <laughs> really sad and touching at the end of the last series. Really quite moving. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, this is, again, like, just to bang my verbatim documentary theatre drum, I think it's always when something's based on true life. Yeah. Because, you know, uh, Shakespeare's son did die. That was a huge influence in his writing and his life. And there, there comes a point when you're writing about real people where you have to kind of confront the real things that happened to them. And I thought, yeah, I thought Ben Elton did such a really good job of making that ending poignant um, without it feeling sort of over-laboured or anything. So, Helen, tell Um, me, where can people find out more about about Lung Theatre, about you, about where to grab some tickets for Trojan Horse? Yeah, okay, so um, we're on the tweet at Lung Theatre, L-U-N-G Theatre, and on Facebook, I think we're the same. And on Instagram, I think we're the same. And then we've also got uh, uk as our website. And you can also follow me on the tweets mm-hmm. at Helen underscore Monk, M-O-N-K-S. Everybody should do that. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. I look forward to Thank possibly you. seeing you on the stage <laughs> in February. You never know. <laughs> Standard issue for all women.